Good morning. Can I have all y'all stand up? We want to say hello to all the campuses. God bless all y'all in San Diego and Oahu, all the people watching online. Let's give them a big hand. God bless y'all. As you can see, we have some special guests behind me that we're going to talk to, but I just wanted to uh, pray for us and, and say welcome to The Rock. I was sitting here going, um, something's different about today, and it was an hour, y'all got an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> and some of y'all were still late. <laughs> I, I believe that some people just have a gene that says you cannot be on time. Can, y'all know those people? No matter what you do, they ain't going to be on time. My wife's not one of those, right, honey? You're always on time. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> my wife's not late. I, 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 I'm allergic to being late. Anyway, uh, happy Sunday. We are in week two of our Heart for the House series. In two weeks, we are going to take a special offering that we do every year to, cat, to invest in vision for next year. Our goal is $6 million, and let's, let's, let's believe that for God. Can I get Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about the major goals that we want all of y'all, 7,000 people to lead someone to the Lord. We're going to talk about that a little more today. Uh, we want to get half of y'all in groups. We're going to talk about that, especially with the young adults here. And then uh, uh, 25% of y'all serving, doing something. We got to go. The world is dying. Can I get an amen? And, and it, the gospel is the only hope of the world. It's not the church. It's the gospel of the church. Because you could have a church and be nothing and not do anything, right? So we want to make sure we get the gospel to people who need it. Amen? Amen. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Uh, Lord, thank you for today and what you're going to do, how you're going to speak to us and challenge us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you sit down, before you sit down, look to the person next to you and say this. See if you can remember this. God created you to have a relationship with you. Say it with me. Say it to the person next to you. Ah. So what am I doing? I'm teaching them how to do the gospel. Right? That's what we learned. Have a seat. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, so uh, before I start, I do want to say um, I have my team conference. We had our team conference a few weeks ago. Thank you to all the people who serve here. And let's give them a big hand for serving all of you. You saw the video. It was amazing. We had Heart Revolution help us. We had, uh, our worship team was like five different churches. It was incredible. And thank you for everybody who came. And uh, we thank you for everything. We can't do this without all the people. All the people who set this up in the dark when the lights went out. It was awesome. Awesome. So we have some great young people here. And, and Emma, start with you. Tell us a little about yourself. Um, it should be on. Hello. 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 Come on. Hey. Okay, hello. My name is Emma. I'm 18 years old. Hey, wait, wait. 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> she, I know your mom's here. Is your mom here in the service? Where is she? Where is she at? Go ahead, go ahead, girl. That's my favorite girl. She was on my on social media. They were all on social media saying, "Come tomorrow and see me." She, that's my baby girl talking about Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'm 18 years old and I'm a student at Point Loma Nazarene. I'm a freshman this year. Yeah. Yeah, testimony. Yeah. 
Okay, so a little bit about my testimony. I was born and raised in a Christian household, thankfully, but I never really understood what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. And it wasn't until I was about 13 years old that I had a really special encounter with God at a summer camp. And I was just really on fire for him and on fire for his people. And I wanted to share that light to the rest of the world. But that light definitely started to dim really quickly when reality started to hit. And um, my parents were going through a divorce at the time. I had lost my best friend a couple years later, and my family was experiencing a lot of division in relationships. So I just felt really isolated and alone, and I started to feel like all the odds were stacked against me. But then Jesus, this year, um, during the 21-day fast at The Rock, I finally decided to surrender all of my plans that I had for my life to him. And he restored all of my brokenness and he reminded me that his love is sufficient enough to cover all of my wounds. So, yeah. <laughs> and since then, I've taken on leading a small group at The Rock. I'm looking to um, volunteer in youth ministry. And yeah, I'm just sharing my faith and my testimony to other people. Awesome. Good morning, Rock family. My name is Adelina Ramirez. I'm 16 years old. <laughs> We're joking about this backstage. <laughs> Um, so my family and I have been coming to The Rock for four, going on five years now, which is incredible, and I'm thankful for every moment of it. Um, but a little bit about me, my family and I used to go to a, a smaller church when I was growing up, and although it was a small church, um, I never really felt the connection or intimacy with people around me. And um, we ended up coming to The Rock uh, maybe a couple months later, and um, since then I've really just been able to grow in my relationship with my youth leaders. Um, especially Ali, um, friends around me as well that have guided me through some, some really difficult and challenging seasons and have also been able to be there to celebrate my wins and any celebrations as well. Um, <coughs> since then, I've been able to continue to be part of the youth ministry, um, seeing like other middle schoolers grow up as well and growing up with my friends too. So that's a little bit about me. Don't she sound grown for 16? She was in my preaching class four years ago. She was 12. And by the way, these young ladies are born on the same day. They did not plan their outfits today. It just happened to be that way. So did you guys just meet today? Yeah. You just met today. You're born the same day and you have the same outfit. Okay, okay. Can't make this stuff up. We didn't get the memo. Good morning, church. My name is Julian, I'm 19 years old, and for a bit of my testimony, I was also born into a Christian household, but my relationship with God didn't become personal until I was about 18, I'd say. Um, all throughout high school, I started getting involved with the wrong crowds. Um, I picked up substances and you know, formed some addictions to things like that, and I began doing it all in secrecy, and as we all know, once God brings something to light, it's never the best for us, but um, yeah, once you brought it to light, I ended up losing a lot of my relationships. My girlfriend and I broke up, and my relationships with my parents began to get a little shaky. You know, they just had a loss of trust for me, um, rightfully so. But after my world was kind of falling apart, I laid it all at God's feet, and Lord, thankfully, 
He answered my call with open arms, and he completely renewed me. I got baptized the day after my birthday, so the way that aligned was amazing. And um, yeah, it was just a really good journey from there. Now I'm currently working to grow in his kingdom. I'm working to be a host for a small group, so just working on bringing a community to God. All right, y'all. All right, check, 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 check. Uh, uh, uh. Can't blame the for that one. Uh, you guys know me. I'm Pastor Ali. I now serve as a central student pastor here for our church. Um, and what that means is I get to create, uh, share vision and strategies and ways that we can reach young people like them. I'm older than all of y'all, so y'all don't need to know that. Mind your business. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are you um, like? 20? <laughs> 20 going on 30. Um, but I'm really excited for this conversation because you guys are going to get to see what life is like for these students and how we as a church are planning on ministering to them. Fabulous, fabulous. So let's put this in big context. Every year we do a Heart for the House series, which you see the logo behind me, and we talk about things we want to do in the next year and then invite you to be involved. One of the things we're going to invite you to be involved in, we want 100 adults to sign up, and not only sign up, but follow through on signing up and serve in the youth ministry. So high school, junior high, young, young, and even little kids. And so we want you to be thinking about God, if God has been calling you to serve because we can't do this by ourselves. Amen? And, and so, but the Hartford House has three categories that we're going to raise funds for, and they are part of the mission. They are the mission of the church. We're going to put this on the screen. No God. We have no God initiatives. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. There it is. Okay, go to the next slide. Okay, so no God, we have kingdom expansion. We're going to be talking about that next week. Uh, and, and, and environmental refresh, building, we stuff in the building we want to do, world missions and evangelism. Last week we talked about empowering all of you to lead one person to the Lord with just one ministry that I'm developing as a training. And we're going to talk, I talked about that last week. We're going to talk a little about today. Uh, but we want to encourage all of you to help people know God. We can't just do it from here. How many of y'all know, know somebody who doesn't know God that needs Jesus Christ? Great. So we're going to give you tools. I, I, I spoke at a church yesterday, and I gave the gospel at the beginning of the message in two minutes, and hundreds of people got saved. We're going to give you tools like that. You don't need a 40-minute sermon. You could do it standing in line at Starbucks. So we're going to equip you with that. So no God. Everyone say no God. That's first part of our mission. No God, grown community, make a difference. Jesus is our message, is one of our values. We need to know how to talk about Jesus. The next part is grown community. Grown community is next-gen ministries. We're talking about that today. How can we empower, invest time and money in reaching the next generation? The devil knows if two things don't happen in a church, the church dies. Evangelism and youth ministry. If you don't do evangelism and you don't reach the, kid, reach the kids, all of us are going to grow old, crusty, and die. Can I get an amen? Uh, you may not get crusty, but you're going to die. Okay? <laughs> you just put some lotion on, but you're still going to be dead. Okay? <laughs> I, I, I got makeup put on me yesterday, and she said, how's it look? I said, I look like a corpse. Okay? <laughs> Took all my shine away. So uh, you can put that slide back up there. So next-gen groups, we want all y'all to get in groups, uh, online church and discipleship pathway. So we want to invest money in these things, okay? And that's what the $6 million goal is for two weeks from now, over and above your uh, regular giving, because this is extra stuff we're going to do. And then the third one is make a difference. 
Make a difference, toys for joy, provisions, distribution. We give food away all the time, every, every month, crisis response and community outreach. And so how many of you did not get an email that was from me that had this brochure? Raise your hand in all the campuses if you did not get an email from me with this information. Anybody? Raise your hand real high, real high. Okay, okay if you didn't, please get out your phone. Please get out your phone. How many of you did get it? Raise your hand if you got it. Oh, very good, very good. If you, if, you, if you didn't get it, get out your phone and you could text. No, you can put the text up. Put the text up. There you go. Heart to 52525. Text heart to 52525 and you'll get it downloaded to your phone. Amen? Okay, amen. Take a second. Put that in your notes. Okay, so... In preparation for this, and I'm going I'm to share very briefly because I want them doing the most talking. It is most likely that Jesus' disciples were teenagers. Other than Peter who had a wife, he was a little older. But it was most likely that they were very young. And I'm going to give you three quick reasons, then we're going to get into the conversation. Number one, in the Jewish community, they would start discipling kids at five years old. And by the time they were 13 to 15 years old, they were being mentored by a rabbi. And so in that culture, even when I was in Israel, I was at the Welling Wall, seeing little kids with their Bibles praying at the wall, little five, six-year-olds. And so that culture that is alien to us, five, they were starting 13 to 15, they were in discipleship. There's a story in the Bible, and I'm just going to have a short passage where Peter is challenged by the Pharisees, Do, does your Lord Jesus pay taxes? And they would pay a temple tax for everyone 20 and older. Jesus had 12 disciples. So look what Jesus says. He says, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take a fish out, whatever fish comes first. And when you have opened the mouth of the fish, you will find a piece of money. This is a crazy miracle. That, and give it for Peter, you and me, but you don't need to give it for the rest of the disciples because they're not over 20. So the idea is that the disciples could have been very, very young. They weren't necessarily grown men. Number two, the disciples probably weren't the best students. Now, I'm not saying these aren't the best students. I told them that. <laughs> I'm not trying. But because the disciples did not have a rabbi, they probably were uneducated or untrained. As a matter of fact, they were uneducated, untrained. As a matter of fact, Acts chapter 4, 13, it says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled at them. That Jesus went out and got some young kids that were just raw and that he can mold and shape them to be his disciples to take the message to the world. This is so critical because a lot of times we look down at kids and God says, that's who I want. Because a lot of times adults are too stuck in their ways. Adults are more difficult than kids. I'm, I'm just, that's not, a, that's not a, a proposition. That is a fact. Y'all are difficult. <laughs> can, can I get in People are stuck in their ways. Stuck in their ways. The older you get somebody, you know, someone tries to change me, it's going to be, I got 63 years, they got to they gotta move. But if I'm a kid, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and number three, disciples just needed the presence of God. If these young people got the presence of God, they could change the world. They have probably more influence than a lot of y'all because of their social media and how they are electronically connected. The Bible says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, but they realized that they had been with Jesus. These kids have been with Jesus. And God is going to do something in them if we get behind them. And by the way, go ahead, go ahead. 
There are a bunch more in this room and in our church and all our campuses that have been with Jesus. And they're like, can you, can you, the rock, help us? And so we are going to, today we're de dedicating this to en enlist all of you to help us help them. And they're friends that don't know God. Can I get amen? Okay, great, great. So question number one, question number one. How do people perceive Gen Z? How do people perceive y'all? Because everyone's got a little opinion about y'all. How, how is that? Let's start with you, Emma. I think people perceive my generation as self-centered a lot of the times. I was actually in one of my classes last week and my professor told us that this year's college students were the most narcissistic college students that universities have ever seen. And I can see how sometimes that does make sense. We do portray that, but I don't 100% agree. I think that Gen Z feels the need to be the loudest in the room sometimes because people aren't willing enough to listen. And a, a thing that we forget a lot of times when we point fingers at Gen Z on how consumed we are by social media and electronics is that Gen Z did not create social media. We did not create iPhones and TVs and iPads. We are just a byproduct of social media, and we're just now dealing with the consequences. Mm. Shut you up. <laughs> Thumbelina. <laughs> it's Adelina, I call it Thumbelina. I thought, I thought that joke was staying in our planning phone oh, call. Oh, okay, just me and you, okay. 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 Um, so for me, I think people really tend to perceive our generation as really wanting things at an instant. Really, just like what Emma said, um, our generation grew up with electronics. We grew up with, with iPads and iPhones. And with, with literally a click or a tap, you instantly get something loaded. Something instantly pops up on your screen. And I will credit my mom for telling me this. She tells me, mija, an endearment, little one. You're not going to get things as quick as you tap your screen for. You're not going to get things that quick. Be patient all in God's timing. And I will tell you, I was stubborn. I've been stubborn. Things will only come in God's timing and there's seasons I'm like, oh, she was right. Like this was not the right time for this. But because of that, a lot of people really see our generation as like really demanding and wanting things now. And if not now, then it better be soon. So I think that's, that's really how people tend to label our generation. Mm -hmm. Now, some of y'all might be thinking, well, it's, it's, it's kind of true, but it's not fair. And it's, it's both. And so we got to pray for them for that struggle because if, if you, we all grew up with phones with cords. <laughs> I remember the first cordless phone. I was like, I could go in the next room, <laughs> right? But it, they, they, have you ever seen a phone with a cord, by the way? Oh, on TV, right? Like a, like a, like a documentary, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is a telephone. <laughs> so you can't blame them. So we got to pray for them. Amen? That, that, that they would balance all the, the, the trappings of culture to follow Jesus. Julian, what about you? Is this working? Oh, cool. We're back. Um, so I think my generation is heavily labeled as isolated. It's actually a statistical fact that my generation is by far the loneliest compared to any generation that there's been. And it's pretty ironic knowing that having outlets like social media that allow us to be so connected with one another but I really think it's because we've gotten so used to communicating through text, FaceTime, voice memos, just all these alternatives to in-person conversation that we've lost a lot of those essential skills that you get from communicating with people face-to-face. -face. And so 
Yeah, I just really feel that that's why it's pushed us to be so isolated is because we don't know how to communicate anymore. And especially with COVID hitting a lot of us during high school, coming back was even weirder. We already weren't good at talking, so now coming back to a generation that took a year away from that, it was just a, it, it felt like a few steps back in our developmental phase of that, of communication. So what would you say, how are you trying to be different from that? I would say I'm, I'm most trying to, to change that um, through the hosting. I'm working alongside Ali, shout out Ali, and a lot of the young adults pastors. We're trying to bring a community to God because I know from experience that being the only Christian in your friend group oftentimes doesn't mean you're going to get everybody saved, or at least for my level of education on scripture. Um, oftentimes it leads to your principles kind of leaving the equation because you're so influenced by society. And so I really want to focus on bringing that community of God back to his kingdom, but also just helping people grow in those face-to-face -face interactions by doing so. Okay. Adelina, how are you helping being different? Um, so for me, I think something I've really been um, trying to do and execute differently is being very purposeful with my time and really examining where my time goes. I know there's been um, several calls that I've had with Ali, and she's like, I haven't seen you in a minute. Like, where have you been? You've been MIA off the grid. And I told her, like, yeah, like, I've been busy. I've been here doing that. And she's like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? You know, but um, it's, it's really looking into, into where my time goes and if where that time is going, if it's well spent, if it's being spent with the right people, am I being poured into, is this person taking me away from what God really wants me to do and wants me to do with his mission? So I think it's really distinguishing where my time goes and if that time is being spent where it's supposed to be. Awesome. Awesome. How about you, Emma? really trying to be different is just being a good listener. I think that kind of going back to my first point on how our generation can be perceived as self-centered, we need people who are more willing to humble themselves, especially Christians, instead of just shouting our opinions and our beliefs at people who don't follow what we follow but letting them know that we're in their corner and we're gonna support them and stand with them and still love on them no matter what, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus sat with sinners and he listened to sinners and he didn't sin with sinners, but he made them know that they were loved still, so. How many of y'all are getting school right now? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Raise your hand. <laughs> I just think y'all just need to love sinners now. Stop. <laughs> how, is, how is culture putting pressure on you to walk away from your faith? How is culture challenging your faith? I think the biggest cultural threats to my faith right now are party culture and cancel culture. I think that because I am a freshman at a college university and although my college is Christian, there's definitely still a stigma of, okay, you're in college, now go live your college life and go experience college life fully. And that usually entails, or what culture pushes is that you need to go be partying and you need to be indulging in substances and sleeping around with people. And I obviously know that 
God isn't calling me into that lifestyle, but I think that it is. I think that it does definitely put a pressure on you trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I stand against the flow and still be seen as included in culture? Because that's what all of us want to be. We want to be included. And so I think that's the biggest cultural threat to my faith right now. Good, good. Adelina? Yeah, so for me, I think the biggest um, cultural threat facing my faith right now would definitely be social media. Um, I didn't get social media until maybe like less than a year ago, actually, and I'm, I'm, really, pat I'm really glad that my parents sat me through that move and making sure that it was a wise decision. Um, and I think what a threat is, is I mean, we all open up social media and we might see something that might challenge our faith. It might make us question, um, like, okay, like whether or not we should really be on this page. And um, for, for those of us who might actively post on our, on our socials and seeing what that looks like, um, even for me, I've, I've caught myself at times thinking like, is what I'm posting, does it really reflect not only my life, but does it reflect the life that, ne that God necessarily wants me to live? And there's been times where I'm like, yeah, this, this, isn't, this isn't the type of stuff I should be posting. This isn't what, what brings honor in the first place. So I think um, being able to be transparent on social media, on whatever platform that might be, and making sure that you're not um, like sucked into this to this image of, of perfection. Because for me, I know there's there's times where I might have like posted something that might have made me really joyful and happy, but then like five minutes ago, I was ranting to my friend about something that just happened. You know, not everything that that you might see on social media or that we as youth might see on social media is really true. So that's awesome. the biggest threat. Awesome, awesome, Julian. Um, I feel the biggest threat to my faith is definitely purity culture and trying to live up to that. So at the church, we're all taught, wait till marriage, you know, make your relationship significant. But I feel society really pushes against that. I think society is trying to normalize, you know, the people we get with, with men. It's like the more women you get with, the more praised you are with women. It's the complete opposite thing. It's just a very toxic um, agenda to be a part of and I've seen it firsthand with my friends you know we'll be having conversations and the conversation will take a turn and we'll start talking about things I know are sinful and don't represent me and and the church but because of this pressure that we feel to to fit in I'll start changing my language and then five minutes later I'll find myself repenting to God for it you know what I mean so it's, it's that sort of thing. It's just trying to stay pure as a man and adding on to Adelina's point, social media is such a big distraction that so much that I just deleted it because I couldn't find any positive in it. You know, you log on with, with pure intentions. You'll log on with pure intentions and then temptation will just be there in your face. And instead of trying to fight it, I've just come to the conclusion that I just need to stay away from it. So... <clears throat> So it's obvious, uh, and not necessarily from what they're saying, but we all know that the devil is coming after kids from what he's teaching them in little schools and Disney programs that are now all this different alternative lifestyle stuff that they're putting in their head. They're raising a generation that is anti-Christ. 
And so we as a church have to, have to step up our game to make sure we are protecting these kids and investing the gospel in them. Let's talk about what we're going to do for them because this is what we have planned and what we're raising money for. And what we want, a hundred of y'all, we'll have to get 200 of y'all to sign up to get a hundred that people are going to say, I'm going to stand with these kids. I'm going to stand and be, be a volunteer and invest in these kids and walk with them and help disciple them and help be, them be accountable. That's what we need. We can't, can't have one youth pastor rally all these people. It takes a village for all of us to do this together. Okay. Amen. So let's talk about what we're going to do. Yeah. Aren't they awesome? Can we Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Yes. Emma, Adelina, and Julian represent the students that are here at our church. But we also need to understand that there are literally thousands, if not millions of kids who are in need to be in relationships with kids like them. And we cannot say, as Pastor said, that it's the responsibility of only the student pastor or the children's pastor. It must be our responsibility, Rock Church, to reach students like them, amen? amen. Because they can't be the anomaly. They need to be the prototype and we can do it here. Before I go into our initiatives, I wanna share with you guys really briefly that Fuller Institute did a six-year study on what happens with students who are in church and when they go to college. And what their research showed is that about 40 to 50% of those students actually fell away from their faith. And as they gave their research, they asked the students, okay, what made you stay and what made you leave? For the ones that left, they said that the reason why they left is because they never had any connections with other people. They didn't have one or two adults that walk with them closely in their faith. And lastly, no one empowered them to lead. For the ones who stayed, they said they had one or two adults that walk with them closely <laughs> to help their faith stick. One or two, which means there's about 2,000 youth, so the math is real high right now. They had people who were walking with them closely that empowered them, walking through the things of Jesus, and that made them stay with the church and stay connected to the Lord. Now, with that, as a rock church, we're saying we no longer want to see that statistic increase. We want that to actually decrease, and we want to be the house to do that. And we're not going to be able to do it without you. So we want to share with you some of our initiatives. Number one, just one. Pastor Miles, let's go in on that real quick. Yeah, and everyone say just one. I won't uh, spend a lot of time on this, but because we, we talked about it last week, we're going to do evangelism training to teach you how to share your faith. I just did another pilot Friday, and we are doing research and development. Two of them went through the class uh, as well. We're going to teach them how to share their faith with their friends, and then once their friends get saved, get them involved in the church. All right. Everyone say just one. Just one. That's one of our initiatives. Number two. Um, our student ministry and our children's ministry next year, we are going to be hosting camps next year. And for, yeah, come on, clap it up, students in here. Come on. And what's really special is that we're taking this camp back to SCSU, where you start. Come on, let's go. Come on. And so our goal is to reach 1,500 students and make this camp affordable for them to encounter God and change the world. But you know that down payment, oh my heaven, my Lanta. <laughs> and so we're gonna need you guys to just come along with resources. I know there's someone here right now that's like, you know what, I wanna cut the check in Jesus' name and we will receive that. <laughs> so that these kids can go and make it affordable for them to, in, to encounter God in a, in a powerful way not just for our students and young adults, but also our children's as well. Now we understand that the fight that we're battling is against flesh and blood, okay? We know that. 
But we also need to understand that we want to empower and equip not only the leaders here, but also parents. And so a part of our giving is that when you say you want to be a part of Heart for the House, we're also going to take a bigger step next year to empower all of the parents. If you're a parent here in this room of all ages, children, students, or college, can you raise your hand? Guess what? We're coming for you too. And we're going to resource you. But we can't resource you without the resources. And so we're going to make you guys a priority next year. And that's what your giving is going to go towards. And last but certainly not least, we are going to increase our campus presence. We want to evangelize in middle school, in elementary schools, in college. Every place where there is a child, we want to reach them. And again, we cannot do it without who? You. All of our locations. You. Point right here at your chest and say, me? Yeah, me. That's the only way that we are going to reach. And so after service today, we're going to have some of our leaders in the lobby, and you can find out ways so you can serve. Our goal is to reach 200 leaders. We, need, we want to recruit 200 leaders to serve in our student and kids ministry. You don't have to know all the things. You don't need to know the current trends. All you need to do is have breath in your lungs and be willing to serve, and that's all we need. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. So with that, we want to take a, just a brief moment before we go into um, pastor closing out the service, but we want to take a moment to have our pastor pray for all of the young people and all of the parents here in this room. So across our location, if you are a parent, if you are a child, if you are a student or you're in college, we're going to ask you right now to stand to your feet right now with us. Parents, everyone stand to your feet here in this room. And we want to create a space for our pastor to just pray over every single one. And if you're not a parent, if you're not a student, we want to ask you to right now participate by just extending your hand towards someone who is standing. And pastor, go ahead and take it away. Lord, we, uh, I look at, man, more than half the people in this room. These lives are priceless. And the six million we're trying to raise to do everything, this is a part of that, but it's priceless. And so I pray for protection of the heart of every person standing. I know kid pain is the worst pain in the world. Watching our kids suffer, watching our kids deal with the temptation and the stresses of life is very difficult. And I just pray your anointing on everyone standing that, not, number one, you would challenge people to receive the call to volunteer, receive the call to be involved. I pray for all the youth here that they would say, I want to be involved in this ministry. I want to be discipled. I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I want to be an offensive weapon for the kingdom and not on a defense. And Lord, I also want to pray for everybody in this room and all the campuses you may be sitting in your seat saying, I need Jesus in my life. And you want to ask Christ to be your Savior. So in the privacy of your heart, just pray, dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you created me to have relationship. But I rebelled against you and ruined that opportunity. But you sent your son Jesus to be my role model. He was the perfect person. And then he died as a ransom for my sin, as the perfect sacrifice. Then he rose on the dead and gave the perfect proof for eternal life. I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my sin. Thank you for your faithfulness. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer,
just slip your hand up really high, anywhere in whatever campus you're in. God bless you, 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 God bless you. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you so much for how supernaturally you work in our lives. Pray you bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask all y'all to sit down real quick. Why don't you give these people a big hand, these young people a big hand. God bless y'all.